Right. The last verse that Eric read, I love that it says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. We're going to talk today about the joy that Christ has within us. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. We thank you for an opportunity to come and together, together, Lord, uh, acknowledging our inadequacies as people, God, and uh, acknowledging our dependence upon you. God, I pray that as we read through this text, Lord, that you will help us to see, God, uh, the Lord, grief is not the end. It doesn't have the last say, God, that joy is there in all circumstances, but only through you. God, I pray that, Lord, that our eyes and our hearts will be focused on you and on your message, God. Lord, and to let this be a time, God, where we can uh, continue to look inward and see where our hearts are getting aligned with you, God, and to make sure that that's where we are headed, Lord, because that is the only way that we will find the joy that is being talked about here today, God. So please open our eyes, our hearts to hear your word. So your son's name I pray. Amen. My name is Lee. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and we are grateful that you chose to join us in worship this morning. We've been going through the Gospel of John. We are in chapter 16. Uh, last week, Pastor Matt started us in chapter 16. If you are using one of the blue Bibles in front of you, if you don't have your own Bible, there's a blue one on the chair in front of you, and it is on page 738. And so I'm going to tack on to what Eric read there. The last one he read was in verse 20 about you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. In 21, it continues, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. When her baby is born, she forgets the anguish of her joy. She forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Now, last week, Pastor Matt spoke about how Jesus told his disciples, it's better for me to go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. And the disciples did not love that Jesus was saying that. But that's what Jesus was telling them, right? Because it didn't make sense to them. Why are you leaving, Jesus? Why? Yeah, like the Holy Spirit, that, that sounds great. But why are you leaving? Why can't we be in your presence anymore? And so they're bothered by that. And they're starting to have grief. And the reason that they're having that is the same trap that so many of us fall into. is because of short-term thinking. Short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. If you are in the stock market at all, um, then the past few months, if you've been paying attention, are, are pretty red, right? If you, if you put in a, a lot of money in January, most of it's gone, right? That's the reality. So if you're a short-term thinker, when it comes to something like the stock market, what happens is if you're looking at it every day right now, you are in full-out panic mode because everybody's losing money every day. Now, if you invested 10 years ago and you have a long-term outlook, then yeah, this is kind of unfortunate, but you're not really that worried about it because in the long run, things are going to work the way they're supposed to. The market's going to correct itself. The same thing is happening with the disciples here, right? In the short term, they've been with Jesus for these couple of years and they want Jesus to stay with them. Even though last, last earlier, when Pastor Matt spoke last week, but earlier in the chapter, Jesus says, it's better for you. Now, to understand, this is the man that they've been listening to. They have believed everything that he has said. Every time Jesus has come up with something, they're like, hey, man, we're on board. We're committed to doing that. But when Jesus says, I'm about to leave, they're like, no, no, no. 
surely, surely that's not what's going to be happening. They don't want that to be the case. Because in their mind, why would Jesus leaving be better for them? But Jesus is telling them it's going to be better because now with the spirit, God's spirit coming into the heart of every believer, then they're not limited to an area. When Jesus was on earth, right, the physical area where he was, that's where he was limited to at that time. But to understand that once he went to heaven and gave the Holy Spirit to all the believers, that now the kingdom of God is everywhere in the hearts of believers. And so the long-term thinking seems to be an issue for a lot of us, right? We get the problems in our lives. We get so overwhelmed so quickly because we don't take a step back and see what God has done for us throughout our lives. We kind of just tend to focus on the here and now. Because if the disciples had been thinking long-term, then when Jesus said, hey, it's better for me to go and I'm going to send the counselor. And so then if they had been thinking long-term or thinking the way that Jesus sees everything right through all our time, it, it would have been, hey, Jesus, this sounds crazy to us. This sounds crazy to me. Why, why are you leaving? But what they would have also said is, hey, we don't understand it, but you have never led us astray so far. When we have trusted you, everything has worked out. So we'll continue to trust you now. Because that's the way he's looking. It's not for just this moment. It's not just to be thinking in the short term. It's to be thinking what continues to move God's kingdom forward. And at this moment in time in the scriptures, as we're getting close to Jesus's death, Jesus's death and resurrection and then the spirit coming is what was moving the kingdom forward. So that's what needs to be our focus. But we get so focused on the here and now. And what happens if you think about this, if you focus on a problem in your life and you become fixated on that, what happens? Anxiety and stress. They kind of they overwhelm you because you're so focused on just this one thing. And when anxiety and stress come in, you know, what leaves joy. If you're so anxious and so stressed out about something, there's very little room for joy in your life. And as believers, we get so disconnected from Christ because we're so fixated on these one or two things. That's why in the Bible it talks about to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because we need to be thinking in that sense. We need to be thinking in this long term. We need to be looking at what God has done for us. Right? So my wife and I, we're in this, we're in this moving process, um, which, has, which is God has opened so many doors. I mean, the stories that I could tell you that, that God has just like busted doors wide open that have given us confirmation that we're following what he's calling us to do. But yet every now and again, a little hiccup comes up. And so one of us will start to like panic or stress out about it. Like, oh my gosh, like what's, what's happening? Now, luckily we don't panic or stress at the same time. Usually one of us does. So then the other one's like, hey, let's just pause for a minute. Here's the massive list of things that God has done to provide for us. And do we really think that now at this time he's going to abandon us? But that's how we are with so many things. We pray about things. We ask God to do things. And when it doesn't work exactly the way we want it to, we just throw up our hands and say, oh, God doesn't care. God has abandoned us. Instead of taking a step back and being like, you know what? Through every phase of my life, I can see that God has been working. Why is he going to stop now? He doesn't stop. That's the beauty of it. He continues to move. So there's this, there's this constant battle within our hearts. And as long as we are on earth, we will have that battle. Okay. That is why it's so important for us to understand the gospel, to understand the Bible, and to see the things that God has been doing in our lives and throughout history. Because in this that we read, 
Jesus says that in him, our joy will be complete. But I sure do see a lot of Christians walking around without joy. And I don't understand that. But there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Let's look in verse 16. (coughs) Excuse me. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. And because I'm going to the father, they kept saying, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. To preface this, the disciples in their mind, the Messiah was going to come like riding on a horse with the sword ready to go and defeat all the other enemies, defeat all the enemies. And Israel is going to take its place as the place to be. Okay, that's what it was in their mind for the Messiah. So they don't really have this understanding of a Messiah who would come and give his life for others. In their mind, it's, oh, no, he's going to take people's lives so that he can usher in this new age. And so they don't understand that. And so I want you to think about, you know, whenever we have hard conversations with people or somebody tells us something we don't like. At first, we'll convince ourselves like, oh, like maybe they maybe they meant something different than what they said. I I don't really understand. But the reality is, I don't like what they said, and I'm trying to figure a way to change it. That's what the disciples are telling Jesus. Because he he wasn't speaking in code. He's saying, I'm going back to the Father. He has been telling them this whole time that his death is coming. His death and resurrection are coming, and Jesus has told them about this. And they're like, what, what does he mean? What do, we don't really understand. When the reality is, they don't like what Jesus had to say. That's what it was. It's not that they didn't understand. They didn't like it. So they were trying to turn that around and try and think that, oh, well, surely he meant something else other than that. He's not really going to leave us, right? And that's not what they wanted to hear. How many times in our lives, if you're a believer, or even if you're not, because even non-believers pray, so if you prayed for something, for a specific way, and God answered your prayer, but not at all the way that you were asking. Right? I think for any of us that have spent any time praying, we can probably all raise our hand to that. We pray for something a certain way. God, please do it this way. Please do it this way. I know I've done that. And for some strange reason, God doesn't always listen to what I want. It's crazy. But also, when I step back and I look back on those moments, God's way was always the best way. Always. It wasn't always the easiest way. It wasn't always the most fun way, but it was always the best way. Every single time. And it's hard to hear things we don't want to hear. And that's where the disciples are in this. So they're acting like they don't really understand. But see, again, here's, here's the beauty of Jesus. He's not condescending towards them. He doesn't ignore their questions because he knows deep down that it's a much deeper issue for them that they don't truly understand what he's trying to do. So he doesn't ignore it. He addresses their question in verse 19. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me very truly. I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. When her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And that day you will no longer ask me anything. 
Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you receive and your joy will be complete. So it's important we understand as we read through this, um, we're going <clears> to <throat> focus on verse 20, where it says, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. We need to make sure that we're reading this in the correct context, because what happens is sometimes people will read this <clears throat> and they'll take it as, okay, so as long as we're alive, there's going to be lots of grief. And then there will be joy that one day when we die and we're with Jesus forever. Well, yes, there will be joy in eternity with Jesus. That, that part is true. This is not talking about that. This is talking about joy while we are here on earth. It's talking about the joy the disciples are going to have even <clears throat> while they are here on earth. And so all throughout scripture, we see that. So we need to make sure we're understanding that correctly. But this verse refers to the grief. Thank you. I'm good. Well, I brought my water bottle up there. I don't know if you guys can see that. But as we read through, we need to make sure we're understanding when Jesus says your grief will turn to joy. He's talking about the grief he's talking about is after his crucifixion. Right. Because at that point and at all points, right, there's a group of people who were for Jesus and a group of people who were set against Jesus. So he says you will have grief while the world rejoices. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. He's referring to those literal days when he's in the tomb. And his disciples are grieving, and the rest of the world is thinking that they have won. And when he says your grief will turn to joy, that refers to the transformation of the disciples' attitudes when they see the resurrected Jesus. So it's not this day way in the future after we die. There's joy to be had even today, even in the midst of everything that's going on. And so we need to understand he's not saying it's only grief, everything now. And yes, there are bad things happening in life, right? That's reality. I'm not saying we ignore those. Jesus doesn't ignore those. He addresses them. But we don't become so fixated that we lose the hope and the joy that we have in Christ. We don't have to wait for that joy till the day that we die. I'm going to give you a couple of references, uh, verses they're not on the screen, but this will be a good opportunity for you to write them down. And when you're reading your Bible this week, you can check these out. That's a hint that you should be reading your Bible during the week, in case you're wondering. <laughs> the first one is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. They're clearly talking to people who are still on earth at this point because it says you have not seen Jesus, but you believe and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Let's ask ourselves that question. When's the last time that we had inexpressible and glorious joy because of Jesus? Because if the Bible says that's something we should have, then why is it missing from our life sometimes? Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last one's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, not just in good circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Yeah, there are a lot of times I see Christians kind of walking around like shoulders up, like, oh, the world's terrible. Everything's garbage. We're all going to hell in a handbasket. And I, I think when we consistently take that posture, I think it's fair to ask, do we actually understand the gospel? If everything's negative, if everything is complaining, if everything is, is, man, everything is just the worst right now. Everyone in the world is evil. Everything's terrible. I think it's fair to say we don't understand the gospel because first of all, it's a very defeatist attitude as though we have no reason for hope. And so what we'll do sometimes what I hear Christians say is, oh, you know, the, the world, the world is so evil. Like those people, they'll, they'll never come to Jesus. They're just so bad. What we need to understand is all of us are part of that group. Every single one of us, you were not born a Christian. There was a time in your life where your heart was set against Jesus. The same for me. There was a time in my life my heart was set against Jesus. And through his goodness and through his work, he transformed our lives. It's not because one day we woke up and we were good enough. It was because of the work that God has done. Only because of that. And so if we always come around with this, like, this sense of despair and that everything's the worst, how many of you guys love being around negative People who complain all the time. Anybody? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't have any hands in the first service service either. No, Rick, I didn't say if you are a person, Rick. I just, okay. I'm kidding. Rick, I love you. Nobody wants to be around that. So you have to think about that. That impacts your evangelism. When you're sharing your faith with people, if everything's the worst and you have no hope, people don't want what you have. Why would I, I don't want that Jesus. Listen, if, if your Jesus causes you to be mopey and to think that everything's always terrible, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. And so we need to understand that not only does it impact our own lives, but it also impacts the way we share our faith with others. Because if there is that joy in our lives, guess what? We're drawn to people who have, joy, who have genuine joy. We're drawn to those people. So that impacts the way that we share our faith and the way that we witness to people. So we need to be winsome in the fact that the way we live our lives needs to be definitely anchored in truth, but to also have the joy that Christ has given us that makes other people want to be a part of that. And so we need to understand there is both grief and joy while we're on this earth. Okay. And all this I'm talking about, there are hard times. There are times in your life that are going to wreck you. That's the reality. You know, one of the things when, when I talk to people who, who say they, they gave up on their faith from when they were younger. And a lot of times I'll hear, well, you know, there's just so many bad things happen. And so my first question is, okay, so now that you don't believe in Jesus, do bad things not still happen to you? Is, it, is your life perfect now? No. Whether or not you believe in Jesus does not impact that there will be hard times in your life. That's across the board for everybody. Becoming a follower of Christ is not like a, hey, like we're, we're in ease and convenience now. Everything's perfect. The difference is that you now have the creator of the world on your side, that you have a way to get through those times. And if the Bible is telling us to be joyful in all circumstances, that means that God is working even through those times when you're on your knees at night crying because you don't know how you're going to get through this problem that you're dealing with. Somebody in the family's sick, a marriage has fallen apart, a, a, a kid has gone in the wrong direction. All of these things that just crush our spirit. Without Jesus, what do we have? We're just left hopeless. But Jesus says there is grief and joy. Verse 21, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. 
But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. If you want to fully understand that verse, just ask a mom. Right? Ask a mom. Now, our kids don't always bring us joy, but for that first moment when they're brought into the world, everybody's pretty joyful, right? That's a good time. So that's what Jesus is telling them. And so in verse 22, he says, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. We need to see how beautiful Jesus's words are here. And there's two ways. The first one, he says, now is your time of grief. When he says now is your time of grief, what that means is that there is an expiration date on your grief. There's an expiration date for your hard times. The things that you're growing through that just seem like you can't get through them, there is an expiration date on all of that. Now, there will be some things in our life that will be painful until we die. That's the reality, right? If we have, if we have uh, unrepaired relationships, right, those types of things can be with us until we die. But now is the time because all of that will come to an end. All of it will. And so we need to take a step back. All the pain, all the disappointments, all of it has an expiration date. That alone should give us joy to know that even when life knocks us over and over and over again and again and again, there is a time where that will, that will end and there's a time that we'll be with Jesus forever. And what he's telling us is that we can even have joy through that. The end of verse 22, I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Now see, your joy in Christ doesn't have an expiration date. It doesn't end. It goes on for eternity. It can never be taken away, no matter how terrible your circumstances are. No matter how heartbroken and crushed you are, your joy in Christ is still there. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that you are happy in those situations. That's not at all what I'm talking about. But to understand that God is literally working in every situation in your life to bring himself glory. It's not easy to find joy in those moments. It's not easy. Without Christ, it's impossible. Without Christ, it's impossible. And it's not easy to find it. But if the Bible says that we can have that in all circumstances, then either that's true or we need to close this book and go home. There's lots of other things you can do this morning. But if it's true, then what, is, what are we missing? Where are we missing the connection? The only way we find that joy through grief is with Jesus. In verse 23, he says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So I, I grew up in church and always, you know, when people would pray, they would end it with in Jesus name. Amen. And so I never understood what that meant for a long time. I, that, right, that was just part of, the, that was part of the deal. That's what you said whenever you prayed. And so through studying, if we study, we understand when, Jesus, when it says something is in Jesus' name, it means that we're furthering God's kingdom. Right? That's what Jesus came to do, was to bring God's kingdom to us. So anything in Jesus' name is for God to be glorified and for his kingdom to move forward. So that's why we pray. That's what we mean when we say in Jesus' name. Another reason we say in Jesus' name, because we don't want to say in our own name, because there is nothing good enough within us to earn access to God. Let me repeat that. As great as you are, you guys are all wonderful. 
but there is nothing good enough within you to earn access to God. A lot of times we kind of have this crazy idea that we're generally good people. If you believe that, spend time with toddlers. And here's what I mean when I say that. I, right, I, my kids are out of that stage, praise the Lord. Um, but if you've ever had a kid, did you have to teach them to hit somebody? Did you have to teach them to be selfish? Did you have to teach them to manipulate you? No. They do that because that's who they are. That's who we are. We are sinful beings. And we're, we're that way from birth. There is nothing within us that earns our right to God. It's only through what Jesus has done. So that's why we say in Jesus' name, because we are not good enough. We don't have that. We want things to be for God's kingdom. Another thing we need to think about when reading the Bible, right? So we kind of break it down each week, right? We go through a couple of verses at a time because we wouldn't want to go through the whole 21 chapters of John in one day. I don't know if we do that in an hour. That'd be very hard. Yeah. Everybody's already giving me like, yeah, thank God we don't do that. But the reality is when this was written, it, it was written all at once, right? So the idea is that there are themes throughout this book, the book of John that continue. So this idea of in Jesus name and what that means is throughout the whole gospel, and so a couple of weeks ago, we covered John chapter 14, verse 13. And this will help us understand more about the why we pray in Jesus' name and what the purpose is. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. This is Jesus talking. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that, right? So what's coming up is the why we pray in Jesus' name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The purpose of prayer is not to get what you want. The purpose of prayer is to glorify God and how he is glorified through your life. That he is glorified. We want things to go our way so badly, right? But we don't understand that the best thing for us is to get out of our own way. Because guys, we don't know what we're doing. That's the reality. How many of you made a mistake this week? You don't have to raise your hands because... If we're honest, we'd all raise our hands. We even get at least 95% of us said, how many of you guys messed up this morning? Right? That's the reality. So this idea that, that we're good enough that we've earned this, is just completely crazy. And it's not of anything in the Bible. So we need to understand the purpose of our prayer life and of our living for God is not to get what we want. A lot of times the worst thing that can happen for us is if we get what we want. But if God is glorified, then that brings something different. So now we take that, we take that verse so that the father may be glorified in the son. And now we look back at verse 24 that we're on today in chapter 16, when Jesus says, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Because when God is glorified, those of us who have our faith in him, that's where our joy comes in. Because we need to understand our, our lives are not about us. Right? Every one of us would say it's wrong to be selfish. It's wrong to be selfish. But when we come to God, that's exactly what we do. God, take care of my thing. I, yeah, like I, I know you've got a big plans for the world and everything. I know you want to do this and that, but, but God, you need to focus on my thing. And so we wonder when we only worry about ourselves where, why we're missing this joy. It's because God's not glorified when we're trying to take all the glory ourselves. That's why we don't have joy in those moments. That's why things, when things get so hard, 
We just want to look further in. But the Bible tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the only thing that gives us joy through that, to understand that God, through all of these crazy things in your life, everybody's got stories. Everybody's got stories of when life was hard. Some of you are going through that right now. And so to think about this idea, man, how could I find joy through that? Listen, I don't know the exact way that you can. All I know is the Bible says that, it, that that is possible. I know through the things that I've experienced in my own life that I have seen that. Now, in those moments, I did not see it at all. After those moments and looking back, I can see how God has literally carried me through life. And I think we can all say that. God has carried us through life. It's not that, man, we did 99% of the work and then Jesus came in at the last minute and kind of finished the last... 1% to take care of it. No, it's him from start to finish. And if we understand that, then we can start to see the joy because knowing that everything that happens in our lives is designed for God to be glorified. So when that happens, God is glorified. Our joy is complete. So if you're here today and you're a believer and you said, you know what? Like I, I haven't really felt joy in a long time. Think about this. Take a step back. Look at what God has done for you and understand is the reason you're not having that joy is because you're so focused on yourself and just what's going on with you. And you're not worried about God being glorified because that's what the reason for this is. If you've not placed your faith in Christ, again, you've had hard times. What would it be like, though? If, imagine if this was true. What if it was true that even through the hard times in my life, that joy can come from that. Isn't that something you'd want to be a part of? Something that you would hope would be true? And the only reason that that can happen, the only reason that we can have joy in Christ is because of his death and resurrection. And so that's going to lead us to our time of communion. And with that, we need to make sure that we're not just walking in, we take communion, oh yeah, there's a cracker and there's some juice and that's it. It's to draw our attention to the body and the blood of Jesus being sacrificed for us. So when we take that, we're acknowledging Jesus. The gospel is that we couldn't save ourselves, that you saw our sin. You died on the cross again for us. So now we can have joy because of what you have done. The night that he was to be betrayed, he said with his disciples and he broke bread And he gave it to them and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that joy is possible even through the worst circumstances we can imagine. God, and it's hard for us to fathom that because we get so focused on ourselves. So focused on what we want, the way we want things to go, God. Lord, I pray for those of us that are believers, Lord, that you will turn our hearts and that our focus will be on glorifying you in the way that we live, in the way that we speak to people, 
God, in the way that we pray, in the way that we worship on Sunday morning, God, in the way that we come and we gather together, Lord, because you are glorified in that, God, and that is when our joy is complete. God, I pray that in our prayer time, Lord, that, God, you have told us to ask you for things. God, there's, there's nothing wrong within that, Lord, but I pray that we'll see, God, that the purpose of us asking for things is for you to be glorified. And if you cannot be glorified in that, God, then we don't need that and we don't want that. God, you promised to give us everything we need. So if there's some prayer that we have that we're struggling with right now, God, and, and you don't answer that the way that we want to, Lord, help us to understand that your way is the best way. God, there are so many things happening in this world that we can't see and happening in our own lives that we can't see, but you can. Lord, help us to know that our joy is complete only in you. Not in good circumstances, not in good jobs, not in good money, not in all of the social status or any of those things, God. Those are all fleeting. Our joy is complete in you, God. And you have promised us, as we just read, that no one will take it away. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.